Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 84, and in this episode we are continuing on with our reading. This will be chapter 9 of Hosting His Presence, titled Partnering with Heaven. As I pondered what he would have me write next, this topic became my inspiration. I find myself not equipped, experienced, or qualified to even mention this concept. I will be up front and say that while I dream of partnering with heaven, I have yet to do it well. What I do have to offer is longing. He desires the heart before anything else. He also desires those who do not feel they carry badges of accomplishment. He alone gets the glory, for he alone is worthy. Let me first say that God's presence alone is capable of such things, but He desires to partner with us. We are His handiwork and the apple of His eye. What do I mean when I say partner with heaven? We alone are incapable of doing anything. It takes a move of God to accomplish any work. When we can hear what the Father is saying and do what we see Him doing, we can be extensions of His arm, His heart, and His power. Consider Peter and John as they walked to the temple by the gate called Beautiful. The crippled beggar had been there for 40 years, begging every day for silver and gold. That glorious day, as Peter and John walked by Him, gave them the opportunity to partner with heaven. What made that day different than the others? Those disciples of Christ were in tune with what the Father was intending. They partnered with heaven. How many times do we find ourselves failing to act when the Holy Spirit beckons us? Many times we fail to see by the Spirit, instead seeing by the flesh. The word ocean came to mind as I decided to discuss this topic. There are two ways to pronounce this word. The traditional pronunciation is O-shin. The other pronunciation that occurred to me was O-C-N. There can be two ways to approach the same reality. The blind man was always blind, but John and Peter had the sight to see that the Father was calling this blind man to a life-changing encounter. Can we have the eyes to see what the Father desires? I cannot count the times I felt the pull to do a certain thing and how I have toiled over whether it was from God, how I would go back and forth in my mind to do or not do this thing that I am feeling. While my intention is not to encourage flippancy, I do want to liberate you to be fluid with Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. As they lead, you follow. As they draw, you act. As they lead, you move. 
lay down the yoke of having to be convinced it is God. There is nothing wrong with ensuring that you are hearing from the Lord, but there is a better way. My own personal goal is to realize that my thoughts are God's thoughts, my desires are His desires, and my plans are His plans. If this becomes a true reality, then what you think, desire, and plan is enacting heaven on earth. Our good Father does not wish to make His desire and will too difficult to understand. He is not burying the Easter egg underground so that you are unable to find it. Knowing his heart will take a resolve of intimacy and devotion. This word resolve is one that I would like to unpack. We commonly understand resolve to mean setting our mind to accomplish something. If we look at the origin of the word in late Middle English, it can also mean to dissolve or disintegrate. From the Latin origin, the word re, indicating intensive force, and solvere, meaning to loosen. Both origins indicate loosening. I think of this as a hand that holds a surprise within a clenched fist. After a loosening of the grasp, you can lay hold of what's inside. This understanding shifts our definition of the word resolve from trying really hard to uncovering a hidden treasure. We become intently able to discover something hidden from the common gaze, not by our strength or ability, but by God's goodness and grace. He is for us and not against us. What a blessed reality. If this becomes our reality, then what we think, desire, and plan is enacting heaven on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10 I can come to peace with the truth that He resides in me and that our two persons have become one. Let us consider the word become. It is made from two words, be and come. Be means to abide within, while come is an invitation. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. John fifteen seven. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. John fifteen fifteen. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John fourteen twenty three. What a blessed reality that our Lord will make his home within us. So many people lack the confident understanding that God desires to operate through us to such a degree 
that we can neither establish if it is him working in us or earth us working as him. He desires a fluidity of operation. He is us and we are him. A oneness of being. This is not to say we are God or are becoming God, for such would be foolishness. It is living in the in him dimension. Do not be put off by the word dimension, which encompasses the concepts of place, reality, and location. I view these all interchangeably. Operating in his presence within us to such a degree can change our perspective from being messengers to being sons and daughters operating for our Father. As you navigate the scriptures, you will find the apostles' writings identifying themselves as servants, slaves, apostles, disciples, and soldiers of Christ. While these are all absolutely accurate, I do see a more blessed reality. None of these identities contain the inheritance of family. Sons and daughters of God contain within them the authority, resources, heart, and desire of God. Servants and slaves will work. Apostles will go and do. Disciples will learn and endeavor. And soldiers will fight. Sons and daughters will be and are. That is not to say that sons and daughters never contain aspects of these other identities at times, but they will never take the primary posture of the heart. Once they do, you can find yourself disconnected from the abiding place in Christ, which is to remain in me and I will remain in you. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John seventeen three. Knowing should never be replaced by any other posture. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, captured the heart of knowing. This beloved identity permitted him to places of knowing and seeing where others were not permitted. John first recognized the Lord after his resurrection while the disciples were fishing. John leaned in to ask Jesus who would betray him. John was invited by Jesus to come up here in the book of Revelation. John saw the unveiled source of the river flowing from the throne and the Lamb, which Ezekiel was not permitted to see. Beloved identity is the key that our Father wants His people to recapture, but it requires knowing. Knowing requires intimacy, which requires devotional proximity. Nearness to God by abiding in Christ is available to every believer who will receive it by faith and resolve to have it. Rest assured that it will come. And that completes the reading of chapter 9. In the next episode, we will continue with chapter 10. 
titled Biblical Precedent. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.